Podcast. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I'm recording this on the back-to-back following the Denver Nuggets win. Final score, 124-118 over the uh, C-team Brooklyn Nets. I think that that's probably the uh, the right call here. Like this, this Brooklyn Nets team was not the version that uh, sparks fear in every other team in the NBA when they have their their entire supporting cast available. No Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving because this is a home game. He should get vaccinated. Um, no James Harden. He's resting on the second night of a back-to-back with a sore hamstring, apparently. Uh, that's why you have a third star in Kyrie Irving, so that he can take over in these kinds of games. Uh, he wasn't available to do so. But the Nuggets get a win, and it wasn't pretty. They definitely uh, didn't try for much of the first half. It was pretty clear that you get out to an early lead in the first quarter. We've seen this story before where the Nuggets look really good, play really well. Jokic got into foul trouble in about the the five-minute mark of the first quarter, and then DeMarcus Cousins came in, played with the starters for a stretch. That stretch was awful. Uh, There were a lot of stretches like that where Denver, they just didn't really know what they were doing for the first half. And a lot of it, I think, was just malaise. A lot of it being on the second night of a back-to-back. Hard to focus. You're in New York. You want to have a good time. Uh, Obviously, second night of a back-to-back. So it's, uh, it's not necessarily a party time or anything. But it does feel like Denver was definitely not as... Uh, effective in the first half when they weren't as focused. They had to focus up in the second half. They ultimately win both the third and the fourth quarter. They won the third quarter by 16 points, 42 to 26. That's what happens when you focus up. That's what happens when you put the pedal to the metal a little bit and start to try. It was just the second quarter where it was the biggest letdown, and it was was kind of embarrassing, not going to lie, but you survive. You advance, second, of a, second night of a back-to-back, it's hard to complain about what it looks like, but it just, it just seems like Denver's playing with fire here at the beginning of this trip against the Detroit Pistons, against the Brooklyn Nets without their stars. Uh, but we'll see. We will see how they continue to progress as the season and this road trip especially moves along. But let's start with the starters, and got to start with Nikola Jokic as always. At one point, thought that there would be two other guys that would be ahead of him in the point totals tonight, but still Jokic, who was leading the entire game in scoring, who led the entire game in rebounding, who led the entire game in assists. It's just how he does it. It's just what he does. 26 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, only 2 turnovers, did have 5 fouls. Um, Some of those calls were were not good. Like, there were a lot of... uh, Calls that LaMarcus Aldridge was getting because he's a vet, not because he was getting fouled. It certainly felt like Jokic was getting a couple calls his way too, but nothing like agree, like nothing where he was receiving the benefit of the doubt of a bad call. There were a couple bad calls that went against that went against Jokic, but it all started with him having a take foul at the beginning of this game where gets frustrated with the turnover, gets frustrated with a play that didn't go their way. Three minutes into the game, gives a take foul. And then from then on is 
you kind of worry about the foul trouble for the rest of the game. That's exactly what happens. So I think that really threw Denver's rhythm off. And I think that he like he gets a pass for this because he's he hasn't been doing the take foul a lot. And it hasn't really come back to bite Denver a lot. But had they lost this game, I would point to that first half stretch where Cousins comes into the game, doesn't necessarily play well with Yo or in place of Yoke with the with the bench guys or with the starters, excuse me. And then combine that with the second quarter and you realize, man, it just was not a good, strong performance from from the Nuggets tonight. They ultimately turned it around and Jokic turns it around himself, uh, had seven points in the first half, had 19 points in the second half. A lot of that at the free throw line, a lot of that hitting. He hit a couple threes, was punishing LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and other switches for when he was... Uh, being put onto a smaller guard. So when some smaller guard was trying to check him, he went down to the block, went into offensive rebounding position, was just a load down there once again. It just continues to be great. And I think this game was a very good example of what an understated Jokic great game looks like, where got into foul trouble, so it's kind of a little bit understated for sure. But he scored 26 points on 13 shots in 35 minutes. Like, had 10 rebounds, had eight assists, didn't really do a whole heck of a lot, but was a plus six and a six point win. That's what you take. Like you, you just, you just take that. And this is why the bench being good is so important or being bad is so important is because Jokic can't be a plus 15, plus 20 every time. Sometimes he's only a plus six. Sometimes these games happen and you need the bench to, to kind of pick up the slack. So Jokic still gets his numbers tonight, rebounding a little bit down. Uh, that's because Will Barton grabbed 10 rebounds himself. So fine game for Jokic. Average, uh, very, very par game from Jokic, but is what it is. Will Barton goes 21 points on 20 shots tonight. And there was a lot of Will Barton. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of Will Barton. And I'm pretty sure that he finished the game with three turnovers. I'm pretty sure all of them, if not two of them, uh, came in the second quarter. And that second quarter was just a, a complete mess where Gordon or uh, Barton had started off the game so well, did a really, really great job getting the Nuggets into their offense, getting the Nuggets off to a great start. And then things kind of spiraled from there. And Barton hit the side of the backboard twice. Uh, he hits a couple of like, he took a couple of like really bad shots in transition, just trying to push up the lead a little bit. And I, I just tend to think, I tend to think that these are games where after Barton sits against Detroit, he should be playing better. And he started off the game really well, but this does seem to be a pattern with him, right? Where he plays pretty well and then struggles for the rest of the game. He did have a nice start to the third quarter as well, and then made a couple of plays here and there in the fourth. But it certainly feels like he's he's very much a first quarter player, where he gets his numbers, gets gets involved in the game, tries to be productive, and then Jokic kind of takes over after that. Uh, I wonder if there's a better way for Barton to handle that. I know what he wants to do. I know he wants to be able to give... Uh, Jokic a little bit of a breather at the beginning of the game. It's not a selfish thing with him. He always just wants the team to win. 
but he did take 20 shots tonight. There were a lot, a lot of shots. And I don't think that there were enough good shots in there. I thought that the team overall really struggled to get efficient looks, but perhaps he looked at Monte Morris the last couple of games and was like, okay, Monte's been in a little bit of a slump. Let's see what I can do if I try to push the push the pace, push the tempo a little bit. And I don't blame him for that. Still would rather some better shot selection or just more shots for Jokic. Like, let's be honest, you want that guy to shoot the ball as much as you can. Monte Morris, as I mentioned, uh, has been in a little bit of a slump tonight. Kind of went back to what I would consider backup point guard Monte, where he's just playing as the fifth starter role. Took nine shots, scored 10 points, missed both of his three-pointers, but uh, 10 points, four assists, four rebounds, did have a steal, was a plus three. Very nondescript game for Monte Morris. Thought that he struggled guarding Patty Mills. Thought that the Nuggets bench struggled guarding Patty Mills. And that guy really puts the, the death in your eye, I think. like Mills is just very, very talented, very, very good. And he's somebody that if you're if you're Denver, if you're looking at, that's the kind of player that you're hoping Bryn Forbes to be. I'm not sure if Bryn Forbes is that guy. I think that it's actually very unlikely that Bryn Forbes is that guy just watching him over the course of these past couple. Like, Patty's just very comfortable off the dribble. Bryn Forbes is not. Uh, he's very much a set shooter. Somebody who's going to catch somebody like... You don't want them going off of too much movement, and you don't want them driving to the rim, which is what he's been doing a lot of lately with the bench unit. So, But Patty Mills is very good, and Monte struggled with him, but so did everybody, so I'm not going to really point it out too terribly much. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention with Barton, one of his worst defensive performances of the season, I think, I thought that he was a very large at-fault party in the first half especially, on why Denver's defense was so bad. And there were a lot of moments where Barton was the guy that didn't rotate out, where his man got where he he got beat by his man. He was supposed to make the rotation as the low man and just didn't make it. Um so there's something to that. I think the Jokic a lot of times looks like he's closer to the play because he's reading the court really well and is trying to give a contest. But it's not actually his rotation. In a lot of these cases, a lot of times Barton's in that situation. Or even Jeff Green sometimes. Like he'll he'll have the occasional mishap, or sometimes Aaron Gordon too. But uh Denver's defense right now with the starting unit. 118 points given up by to the Brooklyn Nets. Like that's not good. That is a that is a really, really bad sign. Uh Brooklyn scored at least 26 in each of their quarters. And the 37 points that they scored in the second quarter, a lot of that was on the starters. A lot of that was on Jokic in a switch against Cam Thomas or like not getting out to LaMarcus Aldridge, things like that. But also Aaron Gordon, like not really impressed with Aaron Gordon's defense lately. I think that he's getting killed a lot. And the first game that he had against Detroit where he guarded Cade Cunningham. Cade got his, but I thought that Gordon's defense was mostly pretty good in that one. Gordon lately, not necessarily playing the right style. I think 10 points tonight, 11 shots, 0 of 5 from 3. That's a lot of threes. Not a lot of uh, 
Not a lot of shots at the rim tonight. Let's just take a look at the shot chart here real quick because I usually have to guard against saying things that aren't great. No, he only had two shots in the paint tonight. Like he had four mid-range shots. He had five threes. And the, the mid-range shots are all pull-ups. Like he's always catching and either turning around and shoots, stepping back, uh, turning over his shoulder in a post-up situation. But he only had two shots in the paint. And I thought he was floating around a lot on the perimeter a lot. Not necessarily getting all the way to the rim, not necessarily doing what he needs to do, driving the basketball. Um, and I think in situations like tonight, you can make these criticisms because Denver should have beat the Brooklyn Nets by more than six points when they don't have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. Like they should, Denver should be better than this. I think this is one of the reasons why. Um, Gordon's defense, Gordon's offense in this one, definitely not up to his usual standard. He did have a late block on LaMarcus Aldridge at the rim that I think really helped Denver out. That was him just making the right rotation and then making a play. Um, so I don't want to like hyper-focus on one player or the other here, but it just, it just didn't feel like a good Aaron Gordon game. It felt like he was floating a lot, felt like he was rotating around the perimeter a lot. And then defensively, I, I didn't really see the overall impact level where guys like DeAndre Bembry go 7 of 11. James Johnson goes 5 of 12, but gets 7 assists. Kessler Edwards goes 3 of 7, uh, gets 2 blocks, like plays really well against Aaron Gordon. I thought that Aaron Gordon just kind of looked like a guy tonight, not necessarily somebody who could have, I think, pressed the issue against Kessler Edwards and DeAndre Bembry and players of that nature. Um, is what it is though. Like I said, it's picking nits in a win. Uh, finally, Jeff Green, uh, didn't close the game tonight. He played 24 minutes, was a plus four, 6.7 rebounds, one assist. Very, um, very role player esque game where didn't necessarily stand out too much. Uh, did have a nice cut to the basket on a Jokic, um, on a Jokic pass underneath the, the baseline. Not a lot to really talk about with this one. Like, not a lot defensively to talk about with this one. Not a lot offensively to talk about this one with Jeff Green. But he was he was out there. He was doing his thing. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bench unit once again. I have, I have several thoughts about this bench unit. But first, as you know, this podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're counting down to Super Bowl 56 where new customers bet just can get just 56 to 1 odds on any team. You bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets. That's 5 times fi- 5 times 56, 280 just right there. You can bet on the Chiefs, the Bengals, the 49ers, or the Rams. Doesn't matter which team you pick, but as long as they win, you get $280 in free bets. It is that simple. If you're not a new customer, you can still get same game parlays. As I mentioned in the last podcast, I definitely think that if you are if you are going the same game parlays route, going Joe Burrow and uh, gosh Patrick Mahomes, going Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes to like have some fireworks shows, that seems like a great call given what we just saw from Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Uh, 
All these quarterbacks, all these young quarterbacks, really, really fantastic. Get in on the action with them. Combine multiple bets together. Get the, from the same game. Get a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. They are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS. Get 56 to 1 odds on any of these teams as long as you use the promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pick Action Roll. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh if you could it would be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to this podcast share the podcast out make sure everybody knows where they can get good nuggets content they don't need to go to nick Wright on twitter they, they can go to the nvr they can go to uh mile high sports as you know uh, but don't let them go to fox sports don't let them go to nick Wright, and frankly don't let them go to espn either because we know what's up with the Nuggets. We know what's up with Nikola Jokic. We know how things go. And they just don't. Like, they just don't get it. They don't understand it. Or they're just playing a bit. And that's fine. Like, they can have their bit. The Nuggets, they're 26 and 21. They're 25 and 17 when Jokic plays. We know how good he is. Let's not belabor the point. Okay. I was pretty hard on the starters. Like, Jokic had a very C game for him. Barton was up and down. He did have 21 points and 10 rebounds, but still felt like he had a pretty C, C minus game. Aaron Gordon, C minus D game. Jeff Green, C game. Monte Morris, C game. So how did Denver win? How did they manage to pull this out? It was the production of the bench unit, and specifically Austin Rivers. Very, very cool to see Austin Rivers, despite the fact that he's on the bench unit this time where he doesn't usually produce. Like, I think he's had a couple games off the bench unit where he plays pretty well against OKC, stands out as, as one option, but Denver's bench unit doesn't necessarily play well all the time when he is on the bench unit. But he gets the opportunity tonight, he gets the nod tonight, and in 25 or 26 minutes, he was a plus 15, led the team, and he scored 25 points on 8 of 11 from the field, 7 of 10 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line. Was fantastic offensively. Did his thing, absolutely draining shots. And it started off not from a catch-and-shoot perspective, but more of a, like, I'm going to jab step at you, and I'm going to rise up and fire, and I'm going to hit the shot in your grill. And he did that several times tonight. It was good to see those drop. I'm not necessarily sure I like the process. I think that on a different night, things don't go as well. And then Denver's bench looks pretty bad. But it worked tonight. And Denver got the production that they needed out of him. And we got a great Austin Rivers performance out of it. Going for 25 points on 11 shots is really hard. Like, Jokic makes it look pretty easy. 
in a lot of these cases, but it's not. Austin Rivers was very productive. He only got to the free throw line twice. Hitting seven out of 10 threes is really, really hard in an NBA game, especially with the degree of difficulty that Rivers was was taking on some of these shots. was very, very impressive. Also had two steals, uh, one assist, one rebound, mostly an offensive-focused game. Him and Cam Thomas were going back and forth at each other. Cam Thomas also had 25 points, a lot of them in Rivers' face as well. So those two going back and forth at it against each other. That's always cool to see where you've, you've got a veteran in the league who knows what they're doing. You've got a rookie in the league who is still trying to figure it out, but is clearly very talented in Cam Thomas. And they're just battling. Like, these are where weird rivalries are born or weird levels of respect for the opponent are born. And I wonder if Cam Thomas looks back at this moment where he and Austin Rivers are going at it and looks back on it fondly as a, as a good opportunity for him in, the, in his regular season. But it was very cool for Austin Rivers where he gets to lead the bench unit. He gets to take those opportunities, and he earned it. He absolutely did. Still think that there's some stuff that I would focus on that I, I would uh, try not to necessarily belabor, but I'd, I'd certainly evaluate. But it was a very good game. He gets an A grade for sure. Like This is, this is the Austin Rivers that you're hoping for when you signed him initially. So good for him, good for the Nuggets. Uh, Boogie Cousins. Boogie played decently in the first stretch. Chris Marlowe at one point, he, he quote tweeted me when I was, I said I was worried about Boogie. And after Boogie hits a couple threes, after he gets a couple free throws, gets a basket, uh, Marlowe quote tweets me and says, still worried, question mark, with a winky face for me to know that he's, he's just messing around. He's just, he's just playing. And, and I get that. And that's, that's perfectly fine. And then Boogie got ejected in the fourth quarter. And I replied with, yeah, I am definitely still worried about Boogie Cousins. And it's not just for the ejection. It's not just for like how that specifically goes. But this is now three games in a row that we've seen Boogie Cousins. And we've seen him really struggle even against players that are smaller than him. He's really struggled to play athletically, uh, do the things that he's supposed to be doing as a big man, like being very fundamental as a scorer uh, that, that he, usually, he usually does. He's usually able to establish position on the interior and finish baskets. And he really struggled with that tonight. Uh, did go 4 of 10 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3. So the three-pointers dropped tonight. And a lot of people are going to point to that. And it does make up for a lot of it. 13 points on 10 shots, that's good enough. Most of the time, good production in 13 minutes. Like, you'll take that. It's the reason why he was a plus two. But there's still enough here that if you take away the three-point shooting, I'm still pretty worried. And that's what it looked like in the first couple of games, too. Uh, where if you take away the three-point shooting, if you just look at the two-point shooting, two of seven from the field, did get to the free throw line four times, uh, but turned the ball over three times. That's not even looking at the defensive end, where... It just seems like he's always going to be a liability on that end. He can't keep up on the perimeter. And I'm surprised that Blake Griffin didn't make any of the shots that he attempted from the three-point line. 
but it felt like Blake Griffin had a better game than he did. Felt like the uh, Nets in general felt like they should have played better against that second unit than they actually did because they were getting pretty good shots. Just didn't actually go down. I put a lot of that at Boogie Cousins' feet. I think that he needs to be more mobile. That's obviously not something that he can control. Or maybe it is. Maybe it's something where you get healthy after this calf strain or whatever he had. Maybe it's something that he can recover from and look a little bit more mobile as the season goes along. But I am worried. I don't think this holds up in the playoffs. I think this is something where Denver's going to need another solution when Jokic goes off the floor when the playoffs roll around. It might just be as simple as Murray comes back and you stagger him and you just play your normal game with a better rotation. But I am worried about the backup center position still, and I think the Nuggets should as well. So we'll see. Zeke Naji, another good game from him. Six points, four rebounds, two offensive, did have an assist. Two of four from the field, 0 of one from three, did miss his only three. Uh, I think it was in and out, if I'm not mistaken, off of a boogie pass. But he did get to the free throw line. Just just a, like normal standard 15-minute game from Zeke Naji, where he didn't hit a three-pointer tonight, and that's definitely abnormal from him. But he'll get those shots, and he will continue to make those shots. I, I feel very comfortable that he is an elite three-point shooter. I posted it uh, yesterday that he's leading the league in three-point percentage. Not sure if that holds up after his miss tonight, but and that's one of the... I think, burdens of a small sample size where he only has a total of 58 threes. But I think it does hold up. I think think he's now 29 of 58, if I'm not mistaken, which is 50%. So that's pretty good. That's a, that's a lot that you can ask of a of a second-year player, and he's, he's delivering on that. Still think the defense, that should be his calling card in general. It hasn't been. Of late, I think he's been a better offensive rebounder. I think he's been a better shooter, but he still needs to move his feet better defensively. And there are times where he definitely gets taken advantage of because he's not necessarily in position. He tries. He definitely tries. I can understand why Michael Malone might not want him in the regular rotation going forward, but I am very curious to see what the Nuggets do at the trade deadline for this reason. Faku Campazzo, a fine game, like took one shot. Um, the shot was missed, but it was offensive rebounded for a putback. I'm pretty sure whether it was Gordon, whether it was Jeff Green. I don't actually remember who it was, but I do remember that the basket was tipped back up and in. Uh, Faku had six assists, had zero turnovers, was a plus three. Very much a facilitator tonight for the others to shoot. And he dished it out to Rivers, dished it out to Cousins, dished it out to Najee. Like, he was doing some good things as a passer. Uh, He wasn't doing, like, an insane job. And I still think that there are some possessions that I look at with when he's on the floor with Jokic, when he's on the floor with the rest of the starters, that I still look at and I'm like, ugh, this just isn't really helpful. Um. but Denver's surviving. They're they're surviving right now. They are 
doing fine. Like the bench, if if this is the kind of effort that the bench gives consistently where somebody's going off, that's fine. That's fine. You just have to have somebody do it. It can't be can't be nobody. That's all I really have to say about Faku. Like there's there's not a lot to really talk about here. I think Javon Carter played really well against him. And that's probably something to talk about, but it might also not be. Like it it is what it is. Um Bryn Forbes, two of six, one of four from three, did have a good three pointer where he was coming off of movement. But he is more of a stationary guy, as I mentioned. Didn't really give much else. Very nondescript game from Bryn Forbes as well. It really was Rivers and Cousins with a side of Zeke Naji. And that's how I'd really describe what the bench unit was tonight. That's fine. Like, it'll work against the C team Brooklyn Nets. It'll work against the Detroit Pistons when they don't have Jeremy Grant. Is it going to continue to work on the rest of this road trip? I think that is the big question where you've got. New Orleans up next on the 28th. You've got the, gosh, who do you have? I think you have the Bucks on the 30th on Sunday. And then you've got to figure out the rest of it. You've got to figure out what the hell uh, you're going to do against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have one of the best starting lineups in the NBA, and against the Jazz, who they, they don't have their, their duo in Mitchell and Gobert tonight, and they lose this game tonight. But they'll probably have them back on Sunday, or not Sunday, for when they play the Nuggets next. And then Denver's going to be on the second out of a back-to-back that night. So you're going to have to really work through some struggles, I think, over the course of this road trip. And there's going to be some scoring struggles if Rivers isn't making seven threes. If he is, then great. I am still concerned that Denver's still playing or they're still not playing Bones Highland. Because I really do feel like he proved himself to be the best option on that second unit. Between Faku, between Rivers, between Bryn Forbes, Davon Reed. Like, I think that Bones is the best guard of the five of them. And the fact that he's not playing, I understand why. I understand that there are some things that think from a trade deadline standpoint, from a road trip standpoint, from a team politics kind of standpoint, there's some stuff that Bones can be the guy to not play right now. And Denver's getting Austin Rivers some good minutes where he continues to show that he can perform. They're getting Faku some minutes where as long as he continues to play pretty well, like he has over the last couple, then that's fine. Like you take that. They're also trying to integrate Brent Forbes, though. I do kind of think that I prefer Bones Highland over Brent Forbes. Like, I know that that might be a hot take. But I do kind of prefer Bones Highland over Brent Forbes. I think there's some stuff that Bones Highland does defensively, even, that that Brent is just not going to do. And then Bones is just more dynamic with the ball in his hands, where Brent just, he, he doesn't have anything with the ball in his hands. Like, there's there's nothing that I really trust with him when he's doing that. So we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see how this all shakes out. As I mentioned, I am going to be podcasting, or I'm going to be on Twitter Spaces tomorrow uh, on Thursday, and I'm going to be doing a trade deadline preview kind of spaces where 
Nuggets fans can talk to me about the trade deadline. We'll talk about some of that stuff then. I do want to float that because I want that to be a packed place. I want that to have like 400, 500 people in there if we possibly can. Like I've, I've done it at like two o'clock in the morning before. And that's all, that's pretty fun. That's, that's enjoyable. But I want to see if we can get a whole bunch of people in there listening at the same time, talking about all this stuff and, and have a good time with it. So make sure to check that out tomorrow. For now, let's take a break. When we come back, I do want to talk about making a push in the standings because we, we saw Denver get some help tonight. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's talk about the standings. Let's talk about where the Western Conference is right now. I do think that this is a very prevalent conversation for Denver, both going up and going down potentially, because there are enough teams that are close to them. Denver still has to watch out. They still have to be conscientious of what's going on behind them. Because the Minnesota Timberwolves are actually creeping up. They're, they're doing some good things. They've won their last two. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, like Denver is. And the way that they're playing, the way that they've played all year pretty much when they have their healthy starting unit, like I fear the Timberwolves. I fear what Anthony Edwards can do. I fear what Carl Anthony Towns can do. I think that they have enough residual players in D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Uh, Patrick Beverly, Jaden McDaniels, they have enough guys around their core duo that I think they are one of those teams that Denver has to watch out for, that they could get past. They could absolutely get past in the Western Conference standings if they mess around a little bit. They have to be good. Denver has to be good. They have to know what they're doing. And they do. Like I I really do think that they're going to be fine in the standings department, but right now Denver's 26 and 21. They're in the sixth seed. Like I said, they've won seven out of 10. They're playing pretty well. Minnesota's 24 and 23, so they are two losses back, but the Nuggets play the T-Wolves towards the end of this road trip, like I think in about five days. And because of that, I think it's important for the Nuggets to Take that game seriously. If you have to rest on the second night of the back-to-back against the Jazz, then you do it. That's the game after. You play the T-Wolves on the front end of a back-to-back. You play the Jazz on the second half. I think you try to load up and beat that Minnesota Timberwolves team, ensure that you get at least a share of the tiebreaker. Because Denver's played two matchups against the Timberwolves. And they're one and one. They'll play two more, including this upcoming one. And that's an important matchup. It really, really is. I think that this is one of those ones where Denver's going to look back on and say, man, that really was a big swing, uh, a big keystone moment for whether the road trip was good, for whether Denver's standings are good, and whether they have a good playoffs or not. Like, 
this is one of those games where you have to tell the team that's right below you, no, you are not in our tier. You are a tier below us. We are a tier above you. That is what Denver could do if they approach that well, if they play well, but it's going to take a, a better effort than they had against the last Minnesota Timberwolves game. Dallas right above them. They won tonight. It was looking pretty close against the Portland Trailblazers, but Dallas did win. They are 28-21. and 21. Denver is tied in the loss column with the Mavericks. However, Denver lost the tiebreaker. They lost the head-to-head matchup 2-1. to one. They only played Dallas three times. They played them at really inopportune times these last two. And as a result, Denver lost. They lost those matchups, and it sucks. It's definitely not a great time for them. But that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles in this case. And so they're going to need to gain a game over Dallas. They could do it. They absolutely can do it. Like I'm, I'm definitely not sweating that. Because I think the level that Denver can reach, I think, is higher than the level that Dallas can reach when both teams are at full strength. So when Denver gets kind of close to that, we will just have to see. But I do think that Dallas is one of those teams that if they go on a run, they could get up to a four. They could get up to the five. And it puts Denver into a position where you start to think about your playoff matchups. You start to think about, okay, between Memphis Utah, and Dallas, which team are the Nuggets best geared to play against, assuming they have Jamal Murray back? I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm not sure which team I would prefer to place, uh, prefer to play, because I think the Memphis is the best team of that, of that teams, of that group of teams, but I'm, I'm very curious to see, like, if Denver feels that way, if they respect Memphis or not despite the fact that Memphis has beaten them three times. Utah has beaten them three times. Dallas has beaten them two out of three. Denver's one and nine, or one and eight, against those three teams. So you don't necessarily feel great about any of them, I don't think. But I think if I'm if I'm picking one, I want to stay away from Luka Doncic. I would rather face the Jazz than I would facing Luka. Because he's just so dangerous, so good. And I think they are uniquely positioned to be able to score on Denver in a way that I think Denver can shut down Utah a little bit. I think they can shut down Memphis a little bit. Uh, those teams do have a spread pick and roll. They have a quick guard. But I'm still more worried about Luka. I think he's the more dangerous player. But I've been mentioning Utah. They are 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, Utah is. They are now 30 and 19 in the four seed. Denver's the sixth seed at 26 and 21. They are four wins back and two losses back. They need to make up three losses because they've lost that tiebreaker already. But it is one of those things where you look at the schedule and you think, okay, yes, Utah has a pretty safe schedule as well. They they definitely could stay in front of Denver, but Denver could push in front of them too. They absolutely could get up to home court advantage in a playoff series if they were able to pass Dallas, if they were able to pass Utah. And they'd be able to do it like the majority of that time without Jamal Murray, without Nicole, uh, not Nicole, without Michael Porter. That's incredible to be able to get up to a four seed, be able to do that. 
I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'd actually probably bet against it. But it's one of those things that Jokic has constantly forced me to change my preconceived notions of what he can and can't do, of what the Nuggets can and can't do. He gives everybody such confidence around him that he's always going to be able to deliver, that the Nuggets are always going to be able to come out on top. And I wonder if that leads to a massive run in the second half where Jokic is just playing well, where the Nuggets have found their rhythm, where Murray comes back and is just giving the Nuggets an extra little boost of energy of effort and just effectiveness in general. And then you start looking around at the standings, you realize, okay, so Phoenix is the one, Golden State's the two, Memphis is the three. Can Denver get up to the four? And if they do get up to the four, what does that mean for Jokic's MVP odds? What does that mean for what they, what the ultimate uh, MVP odds actually say? I'm not sure if you want the four, by the way. I'm not even sure if you want the five. Because Phoenix looks fantastic. They look great. They look like a team that you want to avoid at all costs, in my opinion. With the way that Chris Paul and Devin Booker play, with the way that they maneuver around the pick and roll, constantly putting themselves into a position where they get an efficient shot every single time, that's dangerous to face. There's a reason why they've won eight in a row, why they're 38 and nine, why they are far and away, in my opinion, the best team in the NBA. Because they're so dangerous from so many different angles. I'm not sure if you don't want Dallas to try to face them in the in the second round. Or Utah to try to face them in the second round. Maybe somebody else. If you're Denver, and if the playoffs broke this way, where you're a six seed. Phoenix is the one. Golden State the two. Memphis the three. Utah four. Dallas five. Denver six. And then let's say that the play-in teams get eliminated in the first round. If you're Denver, I think you'd prefer to face Memphis and then Golden State than you would to face Utah or Dallas and Phoenix in the second round if you happen to get there. There's a lot of landmines there. And don't get me wrong, John Morant is incredible. He is a lot of fun. I still think that Denver can attack that series if they have Nikola Jokic going up against Steven Adams or Jaron Jackson, and if they have Jamal Murray going up against Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, and John Morant. Like, I think that Denver is in a pretty good position going up against a team like Memphis, which means maybe you just want to sit back. Maybe you don't necessarily need a high seed. But it does come with consequences. I think if Denver stays in the sixth seed, unless the first five teams are just like putting up incredible numbers and Denver's also putting up incredible numbers down the stretch, they just happen to be the six. Unless that happens, I think you can kiss Nikola Jokic's MVP odds goodbye. I do think he needs to be on a top four team. I think he needs to be in a winning position where he gets at least 50 wins, maybe 48, 48 to be safe, to put himself and the Nuggets team as a whole into a position where they are succeeding nonstop, 
where they feel inevitable, where he feels inevitable. And maybe that happens with Denver's weaker schedule down the stretch. Maybe that's something that Denver can look forward to. But I wouldn't necessarily count on it. I think that Denver may be having to choose here. Do they want to make a push up the standings and maybe put themselves into a position where they get into Phoenix's bracket in the second round? Or do they want to sit back, maybe relax a little bit, maybe put themselves into a better position for making a longer playoff run by not overextending Joker, by not overextending Jamal Murray when he comes back, maybe even Michael Porter when he comes back. Maybe work those guys in slowly but surely and kind of give up a couple losses here or there. And with that, maybe slide a little bit. Maybe that's how this thing is probably going to work. I don't know. I definitely don't know, but I do think it's a conversation worth having. I think it's something that the Nuggets need to be honest with themselves about. How hard do they want to push for a top four seed? Is the home court in the first round of the playoffs worth it? Is that something that they should be really focusing on? Is the difference between facing the Memphis Grizzlies, Utah Jazz, or Dallas Mavericks enough to really stress about? Don't get me wrong. I think you need to be above the play-in mix. And if Minnesota keeps pushing them, like they got to stay ahead of Minnesota. They got to stay ahead of the Clippers and the Lakers. If anybody else happens to push them either, they got to stay ahead of those teams. But I don't think there is a tangible difference between playing Memphis, Utah, or Dallas. I think that Denver can beat all of them. I think that they can lose to all of them. Phoenix and Golden State are in a different tier. I would prefer to face Golden State. I think that's pretty clear. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what the Nuggets choose. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe the Nuggets just need to worry about this road trip. Actually, that's probably true. They probably just need to worry about this road trip. Michael Malone probably needs to worry about not popping a blood vessel. That would be a good idea. Uh, Denver's been struggling through these last three games, and yet they've won all three. They're 7-3, and three, eight, 8 of 11 in their last 10, or their last 11, excuse me. I do think that they are in a position where things could turn very positively. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take the right tempo. It's going to take Jamal Murray coming back pretty soon. Uh, Mike Malone has made it clear that they are not pushing Jamal Murray to come back too soon. And I think his most recent stint with COVID, uh, or at least health and safety protocols, that hasn't derailed his timeline, but I do think it's probably delaying it. So you're probably not thinking about Murray until March. Because we still haven't heard about him playing live. Still haven't heard about him playing 3-on-3, 4-on-4, 5-on-5, anything like that. And until we hear that, I'm still going to wait to say go. I'm still going to wait. I won't release the hounds until then, I promise. Just feels like the right thing to do. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, re- review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, I mentioned the Twitter spaces. Make sure to check in on that. That will probably be at 9 p.m. West or, uh, Mountain Time. 9 p.m. MT. 
on Thursday evening. That is my goal. Going to be talking trades, going to be talking rotations, going to be doing all that fun stuff. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.